turning your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. That's no surprise, Romans chapter 6. And uh, we're going to continue this thing on righteousness next week. I'm going to stay in Romans. I'm going to stay on the subject of righteousness. But we're going to take another avenue. What I need you to do for next Sunday is come with an open heart and say, God, teach me. Because I know, I know what I'm going to do is I'm going to step on some toes just because of the culture that we live in. And uh, I, I want you to be here. I want everyone to be here. This is one of the most culturally relevant, important messages uh, that I've preached in a very long time. It, it is very important that I preach this. It's very important that it's biblical. It's very important that you listen. Take notes. Come ready. Bring a pen. Be ready because I tell you, it's the world that we live in and you need to be ready for this. I'll explain more later. So um, preaching on righteousness and what that means in, in the culture that we live in doesn't quite get this, which is, which is okay because they're in darkness. But it's bad. It's really bad when God's people don't get the righteousness of God. God said, I declare what is right. There's no other. There's no, there's no deviating one way or the other. There's no getting off the path or whatever. And that's, that's what happens. God says, I'm going to declare what is right. What God says is right because God is righteous in all of his ways and everything that God is, does is good. It's good for us. It does good in the world. It brings about good. All these things that we know about God, anything outside of that is, is wrong. If, if God said it and God said it is good and it is right, we do something else, it is wrong. When we do that which is wrong because God brings blessings and God brings good into our life and we do something that is contrary to Scripture, that goes against the Word of God, it brings pain. It brings frustration. It brings, the Bible describes in Genesis, thorns. It's, it's uncomfortable. It's wrong. And it might be okay for a season. The Bible even says enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season. But it doesn't last. It doesn't bring satisfaction. It brings pain into our world. And so the Bible talked about that living unto righteousness, or Romans, that we started with how we were made in the righteousness of God and we declared what is sin in Romans chapter 6. 15 times he mentioned sin, sin, sin through that whole thing. And then he talked about living righteous. The Bible is our final authority. It's it. A lot of things that I'm going to preach next week, a lot of people are going to be, uh-uh, no, I don't believe. Because you sit there and say, I, I, I believe the Bible up until it bring me to heaven and give me joy and happiness. But when it goes contrary to culture and things that we believe, then we start pushing up. Nothing works. That's what the Bible is we're going to talk about today is yielding yourself unto righteousness. Literally meaning that you align yourself up with the word of God. You have to line yourself up with the word of God. Rebellion of sitting there saying, I'll do my own thing and I don't feel that way. Da, 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 that's not how I feel and all these things. As you, anything contrary to that, you, you, are, you are off. Righteousness, being right, literally means that you align yourself up with the word of God. Living victorious. We talked about the defeat of our sin and our battle with our flesh. And he, Paul said, man, I delight in the things of God, but man, my flesh is constantly contrary to these things. But through our victory, he talked about to reckon yourselves, to understand what God has done, understand what God has given. It's changing your way of thinking. He talked about cleaning house. He said, there let, for, let not sin therefore reign in your body. You better change some things in your life. Let not, literally meaning that the ball is in your court. What are you going to do with it? And then he said, therefore, rain goes to the first verses that he talked about how we were buried in the likeness of his death and raised to walk in newness of life, that the power of the death, burial, and resurrection is the same power that God gives us to conquer sin in our lives. 
But today we're not talking just about not living wrong, but living right. It's a wonderful thing to be saved. It's a wonderful thing to be able to stand up on a Sunday and praise the name of Jesus and know what all these things mean and glorify God. Much of our series so far has been talking about being set free from sin because we were bound to sin. But there's so much more to the Christian life than just don't do wrong. You know what I'm saying? It's not don't do wrong, don't do wrong, don't do wrong. It's, it's, not, it's not just about passing over that line of trespassing, doing wrong. It's about doing what's right. So often our mindset is this when we talk about life and things. I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I, what's wrong with it? Dad, what's wrong with it? Mom, what's wrong with it? Church, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with it? What's wrong? In the reality, we should be saying what is right with it? How is this glorifying God? How is this leading people in the path of righteousness? How am I exalting the name of Jesus Christ? Because you are bought with a price. You do not belong to yourself. You live for the gospel. You live to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. So this answers the question, why am I here? What is my purpose? So Romans chapter 6, 11, you say, we've already done this one, but the, the, verse, the next verses kind of join with this. He says, likewise, wrecking yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Sometimes we just stop right there. Hey, recognize the fact that you're dead to sin. Okay, I'm dead to sin, dead to sin, dead to sin. That's, that's only half of the story. The other half of the story means, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ the Lord. Man, that is the emphasis. That is the life that I now live, that uh, Galatians 2.20 was. I, I read that in, in Romans, parallels with Galatians, constantly doing this. He said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not not I, but Christ lived within me. And the life which I now live, literally I've got a new way to live and a new purpose and a new direction. So much we're sitting there saying, this is what you can't do. And we're over here saying, this is how I'm supposed to live. The righteousness of God living out in our lives. It's a new life. It's not the same life. I live for Christ, the one who loved me and gave his life for me, the one that sacrificed everything for me. I didn't read this one last week, but the next verse, verse 21 of Galatians, he says this. This is powerful. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I do not frustrate the grace of God. I mean, I do not set it aside. I do not cast it off. I do not waste it. Man, God has literally given us this world to live in of the grace of God and giving me what I don't deserve. And sometimes we're over there living in the areas that God has saved us from. And God said, don't waste what God gave you. You guys realize the life that we have to live for God can be wasted because we don't do anything with everything that God is giving you. And he says that in this passage over and over again. I, I, my sermon title is Living Unto Righteousness, but I, I almost, I struggle with, I, I told Richard, I said, I want to call it more Don't Waste Your Life. Because that's the two sides of this. It's not just a matter of living unto righteousness, but I tell you, a lot of times we choose to do my own thing and I'm going to live my own world. Who are you to tell me? And I'm, I'm tired of that. And that's old-fashioned to the point where we end up wasting our lives. Every single day. Your life was given to you by God and saved and redeemed and changed. You have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. We've been given the gift of God through the power of the work of God in our lives. We have the Spirit of God going with us every single day. We have church. We have worship and all these things. And a lot of times we are not embracing all that God has given us. We waste it. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey the lust thereof. That was last week. He said it's a choice it has no authority over your life. The chains have been broken over this. If you sin, it's a choice that you make. 
has no power to keep you there any longer. But in the same way, notice what he says in verse 13. He says the word neither right there. He says that neither in the same way, or here's another aspect or another choice of this. He said, let not sin therefore reign in your body. He said, neither this, or here's another thing that goes with this, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Let's pray. God, help me as I share these points. Lord, you know my heart. And Lord, I know that this is not my ideas. This is not my thinking. This is not my message. Lord, as we read verse by verse down through here, Lord, I'm praying that you will help us to align our lives up with the word of God, Lord, so that we don't get off track and literally waste our life. We pray this in your name. Amen. Say, tell me about this wasting my life. Here it is. Wasting your life depends on these things. Who or what you choose to serve. Who or what you choose to serve. Now, according to these verses, listen to this. Reading again, verse 13. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, here, here's what the Bible is saying, and I'm, I'm using this as an illustration of like lining myself up with the Word of God, literally meaning to yield or align yourself or, or yield yourself in such a way or give yourself to the things of God. Guys, you, you were not born as robots. God does not force you to do right. God stuck Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, thou shalt not eat of the tree of the garden uh, of good, the fruit of good and evil. He said, it's a choice. You have a choice. Every single day, God is giving you a choice. You know why? Because this is a matter of love, not bondage. We're, we're not in bondage. God pulled us out of bondage. We love him because he first loved us. For God so loved the world. And all of a sudden, we respond to what God did in our lives. And a lot of times, we don't understand this. That I'm going to do right and I'm going to love him because he loved me. It's a relationship. It's not religion. I'm not going through a checklist in my life. If your life is a checklist of, honey, we should go to church because if we don't, people are going to talk about us and the kids aren't going to be, and we should do this. And we, You guys know what I'm saying. It becomes a checklist. I don't have my Bible. I don't want people looking at me. And I'm, I'm not dressed this certain way. I don't act this certain way. And, oh, I hope we're at this one restaurant drinking. I hope the pastor doesn't see me. And I'm this and all this. All these crazy things that we do, we're trying to look a certain way. It is a matter of your heart, not an image that you try to display. It's a heart thing. And the whole thing that he's driving us to in this is to talk about you yield yourself, you surrender yourself to the right things. But he talked about the members, literally meaning your body, your eyes, your ears, your heart, lining up what? goes on in your life. It's not just your heart. I know the heart is the motivator or the guide of those things, but let, let me tell you, you, your members out with the things of God. What you do with your eyes, going right from this, yield your members as instruments unto unrighteousness. He's talking about, well, that's what you did, but yield yourselves as instruments unto righteousness. Your life, when it comes to what you see, should line up with the word of God. I'm just being honest. It's straight from Scripture right here. You, we, we get off and all of a sudden God says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will not let those things cling to me. And yet we battle with our cell phones. We battle with HBO. We battle with all these things. And then we wonder why everything's getting off. It's because you have not lined yourself up with the things of God. 
yield your mouth. The things of God. God said, I will let no wicked thing come out of my mouth except that which is used to edifying. And we, we sit there and we curse and we get mad and we gossip and we slander and we're negative. You're not right. It's not yielded. It's not, and it's a choice to make. God talked about this in our lives. You're serving these things, these free will that God has given us. It's not the world's way of thinking, but I don't care. We don't go by the world's way of thinking. Corinthians, he said, what? Knowing you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which you have of you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. So I don't see anything wrong with me living that way or me having an inappropriate relationship with the opposite sex. I don't see anything wrong with me getting mad in my cursing or bitterness or the fact that I bite my kids' heads off when they irritate me or I slander my wife or I run down the church. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. The Bible says, let me explain this. You were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Your body does not belong to yourself. We relinquish our control. We, we, we sit there and sing songs like, I surrender all, and you can have it all, and all to Jesus, I surrender, and things like that. God said, literally meaning, you have to understand that you align your life with the word of God. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, because you were purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ, glorify God in your body, your body, and in your spirit. Do you know what most people want to associate that with about us living under righteousness? Well, you don't know my heart. I don't know your heart, but I sure can hear your language. Your mouth is an instrument of righteousness or unrighteousness. Literally, God said your body, your life was created, say, for the purpose of lifting up righteousness or pointing people to holiness or a way of pointing people to God. You don't belong to you. A lot of times when you sit there, I, 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 God says, you're already wrong. You're already off base. You're making about how you feel or what you want or what you think rather than what God has said. You glorify God in your body. You have to check yourself. Notice he said this in the next verse, uh, verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. He literally said, he reminded us of what we studied last week, of dominion or power or authority over you. When we get off and say, well, I'm going to do it my own way, and we're over here, and God literally is over here doing this. Dude, you don't have to do that. It has no power over you anymore. If you get off track and you are living in sin, it's a choice. You allow sin to sit back on that throne of your heart and mind, but you don't have to because God's already knocked the crown off its head. It one time bound you, at one time ruled you, and God said, hey, sin no longer has dominion over you. He has conquered it. Sin does not have to be present, does not have to be control. But he says this in verse 15. He said, don't waste it. He said, what then? Can you imagine Paul's frustration? What, what are you doing then? Come on, guys, what are you doing? What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. He started off this. He said, are you going to do it because of the fact I'm going to heaven anyway, so he, who cares? But know ye not that whom to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin of death, or obedience unto righteousness. Here's a reality check. 
He says, do you not know this? Whatever you line your life up, that's what you're serving with your life. I mean, I'm going to just lay this out for you. You guys say, a lot of people, when they get off and they're doing their own thing, and somebody comes up to you to talk to you, people in love or care, your parents or whatever, and they say, hey, this it's not right. This doesn't line up with the word of God. I love you. And, and guys, we, we need to, one day I'm going to preach on this subject that judge not. Where people sit there, don't judge me. You try to correct or love or care for what is, don't judge me, don't judge me. People take that out of context so bad, I don't have time to get into it. But let me tell you, most of the time people take that out of context. It's way out of context. And the world loves to use that because they don't know what it means. Sit there and say, God has said, don't judge me. Listen, God's our judge, not man. We're the deliverers. We give the truth. But all of a sudden, when we sit there and we say, I'm not living, I don't care what you say, I'm going to live this lifestyle, or I'm going to live in this kind of relationship, or I'm going to have this coming out of my mouth, or this going into my eyes, and I don't care. God says, this is the warning. You have to understand, when you line yourself up against the word of God, you are automatically serving sin. Serving it. You allow your energy, your motives, your mind, to become instruments, that's what the Bible says, to be used for unrighteousness. You talk about wasting your life. You are absolutely throwing away everything that God has done for us to sit there and waste our life. Allow sin to become your master in every dirty joke, every time you cheat, every time you lose your temper, every time we do all these things and we deny when we're wrong all these things, you are serving sin. It doesn't matter. I'll do my own thing. Who are you? God says, it's not a matter of just what you are not doing. It is what you are doing, which you are lifting up and spreading the opposite of who God is. Wasting your life depends on who or what you choose to serve. Here's number two. Wasting your life depends on the change that is made in your life. Now, I started the year off about this radical living. We went through Matthew of what God's called us to live and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And God has called us to be radically different. It wasn't just slightly different. It was darkness to light. It was radically different. He says in verse 17, but God, but God be thanked, listen to the wording of this, that ye were the servants of sin. You were wasting your life. There was greed. There was negativity. There was negative. Uh, there was bitterness. There was rebellion. He's testifying the, to the church. He said, let me tell you about these guys. He said, God, they were living this way. Notice the next phrase of this. But ye have obeyed from the heart. That's why I was starting with this. God speaks to our heart. It's not religion. It's God, not going through the motions. It's not something that we have to do but get to do. Let me tell you guys right now. If church is an obligation to you, something's wrong with your heart. And once again, that's not me judging you. That's just me speaking the truth. When you fall in love with someone, it's not a chore to be with them. You imagine me doing premarital counseling, and I do that a lot. And you have there, there's, there's this passion and conviction and all this stuff that we have in there. And, and, and we sit there, and I, I, I tell whoever's sitting there and say, well, you need to spend some time with her. Are you serious? Who are you? Quit judging me, man. Why, why do I have to? Well, you need to try to please her. You need to try to, you know, line your life up to where you guys are serving together and you're doing the right things and you're making each other have. Dude, you can't tell me what to do. I tell you, if you're sitting there and someone tells you that you have to spend time with somebody and you don't want to, something's wrong there. Something's off. And when our hearts begin to look at the relationship that we have with God as an obligation, something is wrong. God, God told us this in 1 John 5, 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Now listen to this. For his commandments are not grievous. 
When you line up and I, I sit with a, a, a couple and I sit there and would tell them that they're in love and they love each other and, you know, they have this in their heart that they want to get married. And I say, now listen, from now on, you cannot flirt with other girls. You, you cannot you, you be sitting there and fl- flirting with them and chasing after them and lining up dates and all this other stuff. And, and the guy sits back and says, what in the world? Why, why, why all these crazy rules? What are you telling me? If you look at that as a rule, then your heart is not with that girl. It's just something's wrong there. And all of a sudden, we begin to see this perspective of the fact that things are not right in our hearts when we sit there and the things that God has called us to do become an obligation or a headache or, or however you want to word it. He says, what have you obeyed from your heart? Listen to this. But ye have obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. The doctrine that he's talking about in this passage is talking about the doctrine of righteousness. Sin was mentioned 15 times. Righteousness and unrighteousness, iniquity and all these things that he's mentioned there. He says the word form is a shape or a dye or a style or resemblance. He was literally saying that I have called you from your heart to want to line yourself up to look like God. And I know that sounds weird because the Bible says no man has seen God or we don't know that. But we say oftentimes this. He said, I am a Christian. The word Christian means Christ-like. I want to be known and looked upon and resemble Jesus Christ in my life. Let me tell you. When you start living out the mission of Jesus Christ and you begin to obey the things of God, what comes through your instruments of your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your legs, whatever it is, and all of a sudden people see something different than in you because it's countercultural. They don't see that in the world. They don't see it in the uncleanness of the world, but they see it in you. But let me tell you, when a Christian says that I love Jesus Christ and I am a Christian and we start living not unto righteousness, all of a sudden they don't see any difference in us and we are big, fat hypocrites we wonder why we don't make a difference in the world he said i have known that you obeyed from your heart that you form that form of doctrine or you shape yourself or you align yourself up with that which is right then being made free from sin you became the servants of righteousness god is constantly working on me i'm not standing up here any of us could come up here and say man i've reached it man i'm finally there Nobody could ever say that. But I can tell you, every time I put myself under the authority of God's word, God begins to speak to my heart and change me every single time. Every time. Whether it's in the worship of what we sing, whether it's in the Bible devotions of what I read, whether it's a, a matter of a Christian speaking into my life, no matter what, that from the beginning, he had made me free. He became the servants of righteousness. My drive, my heart, my purpose begins to line up with the things of God, and God begins to change us. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Paul puts a warning here. For someone that claims Jesus Christ yet still lives in sin, he says, I'm going to put a warning here with you guys. Listen to this. He said, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. He said, let me explain the infirmity of your flesh or the weakness of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants unto uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity. Let me explain this here. When you yield your life to sin, when you live out your way, when you become servants of righteousness, you serve your cravings, your desires, your lust, your affections of your flesh. 
The Bible describes this here as uncleanliness, as dirty, as wrong. Sin never satisfies. Now what he's saying in this passage, and this identifies with all of us, uncleanliness to iniquity unto iniquity. Let me put it like this. We all know what it's like. We'll say these words to backslide or, or, or get out of the authority of God's word or scripture or whatever. We begin to get off. Guys, all of us at some point in our life, we've done this. Prodigal son, you get out of church, you allow things to come into your life. But the Bible warns us about this. He said, let me explain what this is like. He said, iniquity unto iniquity. Sin never stands still. It always drags you further and further. The reason why he said iniquity unto iniquity is literally meaning that when it gets into your heart and when you begin to slip from God, I promise you, you slip from one week of service, it's easier to slip from two weeks of service to before you're calling in saying, I'm not serving anymore and we just got busy. And before long, church is in the back of your mind and you're not even there. It's it's easy to be on that slope. Happens in every aspect of our life. I'll tell you guys right now, porn will never satisfy, but I'll tell you, it will drag you from iniquity to iniquity. That wrong relationship that you're in, premarital sex, fornication, however you want to, but will never stay there. It's never just satisfied. It will drag you from iniquity unto iniquity, literally meaning that it drags you deeper and deeper every single time. David is the perfect illustration of this. David saw a woman with his eyes bathing on top of the buildings. Then he called for her. Then she came in. And all of a sudden he laid with her. She gets pregnant. He has a problem. He calls for her husband. Hey, you guys should have a nice night together. He doesn't do it because he's got these standards that I should be at war. I'm not going to enjoy the pleasures while everybody else is. Then he has to raise his game. He pushes him to the front of the battle. He makes his other people do wrong and pull back. He ends up dying. You know what it is? Iniquity unto iniquity. Sin will grab a hold of your life and keep taking you further and further away. We're talking about the change. Either the Bible will change you or sin will change you, but it matters which direction you're going. And the Bible is explaining this over and over again about this warning in here. He said, wasting your life literally depends on what or who you choose to serve, what you line yourself up with. Wasting your life depends on the change that is made in your life. Either it's going to be from iniquity unto iniquity or the fact that God's going to work in your life to change you from what you were to form you into what he wants you to be. But wasting your life depends on what comes out of your life. Paul addresses that sin, when you serve it, it changes you, affects you, it uses you. Verse 19, he says, Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. He said, line your life up with the word of God and no longer will iniquity to iniquity, but now it's righteousness. Did you read it? Righteousness unto holiness. There's something cool that God does through the spirit of God when you are lining yourself up with that which is right. Doesn't matter what the world says, but with that which is right. All of a sudden what God does in you, not, not making you holier than thou or more righteous or holy roller or all the things the world says, but literally when all of a sudden conviction comes into your heart, you begin to get things out that you didn't even realize it was there. Things from your past or things that you say or whatever, constantly God, like a chisel, is working on you. And he says what happens inside of your life when you line your life up with the word of God, not only does iniquity not come out of your life anymore because iniquity breeds iniquity, but when you line yourself up with the word of God, now it's, now it's righteousness unto holiness. The Bible says, be holy for I am holy. Literally, you begin to resemble Jesus Christ in your life. 
says in Romans 6.20, For when ye were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Literally meaning, when you were over here serving this, you had not this. You were stepped away from that. You were freed from the righteousness that was there. You're serving that. You were the opposite of righteousness. You were useless for the ministry of God. But he says this, verse 21, What fruit had ye in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. He said, now, now this, this brings it home. I'm not going to do a, uh, a raise of hand, but you talk about how practical he is. Paul just gets real with us, and he said, hey, let me ask you a question. Let's just be real for a minute. Let's talk about that lifestyle you used to live. Let's do it. Party life. Living for girls. You're all about what makes you feel good. Stealing this, taking that, lying, cheap, bitterness just creeps up in your life and comes through. He said, let me ask you this. What fruit, what came from those things? So he's he just saying this. He said, you know what it is now? Most of us, when we talk about those things, we drop our head going, I don't want to talk about that. You get around the other crowd that you used to hang out with, and they say, man, you were the party animal, man, or you used to be this and that. I said, dude, I don't want to talk about that. Bring shame. Who you used to be. The Bible says, man, you get away from righteousness. What fruit had ye in those things whereof you now are ashamed? What good came out of your life? Go ahead, and we could go around the room and say, the man that used to be, and I'll ask you, what good came from that? Oh, yeah, what good came from that? Oh, yeah, what good came from that? When you lived your own way, what good came out of it? And you said, nothing. I'm going to tell you, I don't want my kids knowing that, and I don't want it on a screen, and I don't want to talk about it. Man, it's shameful of that. He said, because the end of those things bring death. Just tears apart. It ruins Makes me miserable. And I'll tell you, it's one thing for the world to live that way. And God said that what a shame it is when you've been saved and placed here and you chase those things anyways. A lot of times Christians today still have shame in their life and you're still covering things up. You know why Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they ran into the garden and they hid themselves and they covered themselves. Then he told Jesus, or God, he says, because we were ashamed. Sin will strip you down. Make you feel embarrassed and gross is what he loves to do in your life. But that's not what we're called to. He literally said it's, it's not about that. It's not about the fruit of what pulled us apart or, or all those things. And he said the things that was the end of death. He said this, but now, literally meaning now that you line yourself up, now that you yield yourself, now that you submit yourself, be made free from sin and become servants to God. Servants, literally meaning that I put my time and my energy not to partying and chasing and doing this and that. Now my heart belongs to Jesus. Ye have fruit unto holiness in the end of everlasting life. Righteousness is the opposite of unrighteousness. It's the opposite of sin because sin brings shame, but I'll tell you, righteousness brings glory to God. All that time that you're there, you're trying to cover, and I'm so embarrassed, and don't look at this. And God says, watch what happens when you line yourself up with the Word of God, which literally means He's constantly changing in your life. He's chipping on you. He's changing you. He's molding you constantly. All of a sudden, you're not the man that you used to be. You're not the woman you used to be. You're not the teenager you used to be. But all of a sudden, you look different, not because of you, but because of the righteousness begins to shine through you. And no longer are you over here unashamed and embarrassed and all those things. But he says the fruits of holiness. You know what that is? When people see you and they say, man, I don't know what it is. But I love the passion that you have. 
And I love the fact that you're not the guy calling in work all the time because you're drunk or high. And how are you so happy if you don't have that to look partying on the weekend and all this? Or why is it that you have a relationship with your wife or your kids in that way? How is it that you can get off the phone and say, I love you, I love you too? What do you got? He said, what is that? That's fruit of what is right. It's not, it's not just a matter of what you're missing out on. It's what God gives you. And all of a sudden, that joy unspeakable and full of glory and that, that satisfaction that you get, you never got anywhere else. Your life does not belong to you. By the way, it's not just a matter of what God does in your life. Psalms 23. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Why? For his name's sake. You want to waste your life, go ahead, keep living in sin. Keep making excuses for your bitterness and bad attitude and your lust and your greed. Keep making up why you can keep partying and going out there and smoking this and doing this and getting drunk and getting high and all those other things and say, well, that's the way the world is. That's right, they are, and they have nothing. The end of it is death. Miserable and bondage and makes you ashamed. That's why everybody that comes out of doing that party life and they come out of the courtroom or whatever, they're covering their face like this. I'm embarrassed. It's not the life, but I'll tell you, God has not called us to this life. God's called us to this life. We point to Jesus. Now, you're going to be a weirdo if you walk out, if you're walking through Walmart like this. Okay? But I'll tell you, with how you treat them at the register and how you act when you go out and how you treat your spouse in there and how you love on your kids and how you live right and how you're with your teenage friends and you sit there saying, dude, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not watching that. I'm not listening to that. I am not because therefore I'm going to glorify God in my body. He said, why? Oh, it belongs to him. It's not mine anyways. I left off one verse. It's one you already know. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. He displayed that. He said, I'll tell you that, that, that by the way, you live that life, and he's talking about salvation. Then. He said, but what God has done is eternal life. Not just the life that we'll live in heaven, but the life that we get right now. It's life, life, life. Some of you don't have life right now. You are miserable. You are stuck. You are bound. You are frustrated. It's like, man, I just I try to do better, try to do better, try to do better. It's it, over and over again. It's through Christ, through Christ, through Christ. It's not through you or your change of mind or whatever. It's through Christ. So today, you've got to get to the point where you say, I'm going to make that choice. I'm not doing this anymore. I am not doing this anymore. 